Would you take your Bibles and open to the book of Acts and chapter number 28? Last chapter in the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter number 28. I want to read the first 10 verses, but actually backing up into 27, the last verse of chapter 27, just for a little context, I know you know what's going on as Paul is, is uh, on a boat in chapter 27 and, and the wind comes and there's a big storm and they're, they're going to shipwreck for sure and they certainly do. So uh, verse 44 of chapter number 27 uh, just tells us uh, the tail end of the shipwreck. The rest, some on board, some on broken pieces of the ship. So it came to pass they escaped all safe to land. Now chapter 28. So they're on land after this tremendous shipwreck. And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita and the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. Now barbarous just means anyone that didn't speak Greek was barbarous to them. So it doesn't mean they were like cavemen or anything like that. They just was a language problem, a language difference, and so they're referred to as barbarous. They showed us no little kindness. They kindled a fire, received us everyone because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he had escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not him not to live. Verse five, and he, that's Paul, shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they, that's the, the barbarians, they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. <laughs> that's a big difference. In the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us, lodged us three days courteously. It came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also, which had diseases in the island, came and were healed, who also honored us with many honors, and when we departed, they laded us with such things as were necessary. I've entitled this message, Storms and Snakes. Storms and Snakes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, help us uh, to uh, just have listening ears respond to you as you speak to our hearts. And may this message have something in it for all of us. Just use your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <clears throat> if you took a poll, and I'm guessing here, but I think it's an educated guess. If you 
took a poll, uh, particularly of all the ladies in this room, on their personal feelings about all of God's creatures. I'm going to guess that last on the list is the lowly snake. And to be quite honest, most men in this room would probably have the same opinion because most of us certainly avoid any confrontation we may possibly have with a snake, even one that someone says he's harmless. That's all right. I don't really want to deal with him. And those who purposefully, in my opinion, handle snakes need to seek professional help. That's what I say. Now, I say this because on two occasions, believe it or not, in my life, I have had the misfortune of actually being bitten by snakes two different times. Neither of them were venomous. They were just mad. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, if it's dangerous or not, when a snake comes at you with its mouth open, it's a very unsettling experience. And it's going to make you, like myself, then avoid them uh, at all possible costs. If it didn't before, it certainly will after. You would think after the first time I got bit. But both of my snake biting experiences, I must say, uh, I was handling wild snakes. So what do you expect? <laughs> this is a true statistic. Emergency rooms in the United States see somewhere around 7,000 cases of snake bite every year. 7,000, but that's not what's weird about this statistic. Here's what's weird. Three to 4,000 of those snake bites are what are termed non-accidental. Now let that sink in. They were non-accidental. In other words, they were playing with, handling, petting, something with a snake. And they got a non-accidental snake bite. You remember that Jesus, when he sent the 70 out, the Bible says he gave them power over the poison of serpents. It says this, behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing uh, shall by any means hurt Later, he says to, about the apostles, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay their hands on the sick, and they shall recover. In those two instances, God has given this power to his followers to do his will and spread the gospel that if they happen to have a non-accidental or an accidental snake bite, they're going to not be harmed. Can I tell you, God did not give that same power to you. The reason I tell you that, I don't know if you're aware, in 2013, a journalist began to study snake handling churches, which I will tell you, if, if I'm ever at a church and they bring out the snakes, I'm leaving. <laughs> it's been documented at least 100 deaths by snake bites at snake handling churches. I guess God didn't really give them the power over snakes, did he? Those would have been non-accidental <laughs> snake bites. A hundred at least deaths 
by snake bite. There's only two times in the Bible that it's recorded, at least, that a snake actually bit a person. And of course, the one that you would think of the most when, when God sent the serpents, remember, into the camp of the Israelites and many were bitten by snakes. And the Bible says that many died and, and Moses constructed, remember, the, the serpent, the brass serpent on the pole and those that looked at it were healed. Remember that story. Uh, to this day, you may see a serpent on a pole on an ambulance or something like that and wonder where that image comes from. It comes from there. The other occasion is right here in Acts chapter 28. And I'm sure you're aware that for many thousands of years, snakes have been regarded with fear, of course, and some mystery. The Old Testament writers a lot of times use them to, and even Jesus also, to illustrate evil. They have sharpened their tongues like a serpent. Adder's poison is under their lips. Jesus said, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. How can you escape the damnation of hell? And then at the same time, Jesus used serpents to illustrate wisdom. Be therefore wise as serpents. So in chapter 27, you know what's going on is there's this Tremendous storm. It's so violent in chapter number 27 that they gave it a name. If you're ever in a storm and it has a name, that's a big storm. Eurocladon. And so this huge storm comes up as Paul's in this boat and, and he's, of course, a prisoner. And so the storm is just raging. And you know the story, how they begin to throw everything off the ship. It doesn't matter. It's not helping. They're helpless. They're tossed. It's dark. It goes on for days and days. Eventually, they're shipwrecked finally. And miraculously, as we read in verse number 44, not one person is lost in this shipwrecked. Paul himself was saved because a centurion took, kind of liked him and and really his efforts saved Paul. So they're marooned. They're marooned on this island in chapter number 28. And the natives of the island help them and and are blessing to them and build a fire and, and are protecting them and trying to be a help to these men as they are shipwrecked. I want you to keep in mind as we get into the points of this sermon that all through chapter 27, chapter 28, Paul is, he's trusting God. He's not in some lull or some time where he's losing his faith. He's trusting God. He's remaining faithful to God and God's work and and God's plan for his life. He's being a witness being a witness to God, uh, for God to the centurion and the men on the boat, as you know the story. And he's being a blessing to other people here in chapter number 28, as we read. Paul is doing things right. Paul is not out of God's will. And that's why there's a storm or he's not running from God. You remember uh, Jonah was also in a storm on a boat. But he was running from God. Paul's not running from God. He's not doing something he shouldn't be doing. And I would add, Paul's not looking for snakes. Have you ever like picked something up and there be a snake there? Oh man, that, nothing to make your heart beat faster than accidentally coming. I mean, nothing worse than that. So let me give you some ideas out of this this passage we read and to see if you 
if it's maybe a help and a blessing to you. Number one, have you ever been bitten by a snake? Have you ever been snake bit? And I don't necessarily mean a real snake, although that may be your experience too. What I mean is this, has there ever been some experience in your life, something that's taken place that for you is just as surprising and perhaps just as traumatic as being bitten by a snake. In the New Testament, Peter refers to those as fiery trials. Paul uses words like afflictions, persecutions, tribulations. Jesus told his followers, listen, he told his followers, you're going to face trials. You're going to face afflictions. In other words, Jesus himself told those who loved him and wanted to follow him, guess what? There's going to be snakes. There's going to be times when you're going to be bitten. And it could be a lot of things. It could be, I mean, a number of things. Maybe you were treated unfairly, unjustly at work or by a family member or a friend. And you genuinely were treated, mistreated or abused and, uh, by, in, in a way you couldn't, had no control. And, and this really did happen to you and you were treated unfairly. Or maybe someone that you really cared about, uh, they fell. They fell into sin or they fell away and you really are surprised and you were caught off guard or maybe you suffered because you stood for what was right and you took a position for what was right and what was good and what was godly and what was biblical. And because of that, you suffered or you suffered some indignation because of that or perhaps some sudden temptation came you weren't expecting or ready or thinking about and all of a sudden a temptation came your way and and uh, you found it difficult to deal with or maybe some tragedy and all of us have been in that boat some tragedy came your way and you weren't even expecting that phone call or expecting that that doctor's report and you weren't really ready for that and all of a sudden when something happens you weren't expecting and this tragedy strikes you or someone you love or maybe some financial thing I mean I'm just saying there's all kinds of things that we could describe as Peter described them, fiery trials, or as Paul said, persecutions, tribulations, or maybe as I'm going to say, uh, snake bites. I think Job was familiar. You read the book of Job, was he not familiar with fiery trials and, and persecutions and tribulations? Probably everyone in this room Job put it this way, yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upwards. So facing you and I, facing times where we're going to use this analogy when snakes bite us, I'm just telling you, it's part of life and there's some assurances we have. Here's the first one. We are assured that life is not pain free. And those who preach that a believer, being a believer means always healthy and always wealthy. Can I tell you, not only are they preaching false doctrine and something that's wrong, that's just downright dangerous to preach that. Because people who are going to hold on to that, what happens when that expectation is not met? What happens when they don't have all the money? 
What happens when they do get sick or someone they love or prayed for gets sick or someone dies? And then all of a sudden you've got a believer who's confused and disillusioned and he thinks it's their fault that the checks haven't showed up in the mailbox or that the doctor said they were sick. I'm just telling you, we are guaranteed life is not pain free. You're also guaranteed this. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, then you need to do this. Take up your cross. Now, is there something about the word cross that does not carry a connotation of sacrifice and perhaps pain? I mean, it doesn't sound too attractive, just the word cross. If you want to get a bunch of followers, you probably wouldn't throw in. Now, you're going to have to carry a cross to follow me. But Jesus did. He said, you're going to have to take up your cross. That just screams sacrifice and death, doesn't it? And remember, at the same time, not only are you going to do that, he said, remember that my yoke is easy and my burden light. Here's another assurance. We're assured that life's not pain free. We're assured that if we're going to follow him, there's sacrifice. But we're also assured this. He is with us every step of the way. Now, while suffering may be with us because that's part of the human condition and that's part of life and everybody knows that and we're guaranteed as his followers, that's part of what being a follower means. Suffering is going to be with us, but at the same time, I know that he's with us too and no believer could ever say, I went through a valley and I did it all by myself. No believer could ever say that. And even it's a, even listen, even if it's a valley of your own making, which I have a feeling most of our valleys are, even if it's a valley of our, even if it's a, as Proverbs puts it, a self dug pit. You know what that is? That's a pit you dig and fall in. Even if that's, even if that's the reason you're going through the storm, even if that's the reason for your valley and your problem and your heartache, even then he's with us. And he gives strength to the weary and hope to the hopeless. And he gives courage to the fearful. And he lifts up the fallen and the helpless. And we can all, every one of us can say with David, some of the most famous words of scripture, yea, though I walk through the valley, thou art with me. We're assured, yeah, life's not pain free. Following him may equal sacrifice. It may equal pain. But he's with us every step of the way. And one more assurance that is important. And it's in Romans 8. And that's this. Our ultimate good is on his mind. Romans 8 teaches us this. Our good is God's motive. And nothing can come my way and nothing can come your way. No snake, no storm. Nothing is going to come your way of which he is not aware. And everything that comes our way, no matter how bad we may think it is, he uses, his, he uses for his purpose in you and in I. It's for your good. All things work together for good. Well, Brother Ted, I, I, uh, that snake bit me hard. I don't think it was good. That storm I went through, that valley, that trouble I had, it didn't seem good. Well, remember, it's not what I think is good for me. It's what he knows is good for me. There's a difference. We trust him. 
We trust God because he knows what's better for me than I know. You know, when your kids are growing up, they would eat candy for supper. And I would too, to be quite honest. But I'm a grown up and I can if I want. But your kids, if you ask them what they want for supper, they want candy. They want stuff that's not good for them. They don't know it's not good for them. You know it's not good. You know it's good for them. You're the one, you're the adult. You're the one that hopefully has some wisdom. You're the one that tells them what they're supposed to do and what they're supposed to eat and when they're supposed to go to bed and brush their teeth and go to the doctor and go to the dentist and maybe even school. Because you know what's better. Sometimes we think we know what's better for us. If we ran our own lives, I'm afraid it'd be a problem, wouldn't it? God in heaven, I have to trust him. God, this is a valley, this is a problem, this is a snake, this is a storm, but I'm trusting you that nothing is coming my way, that you're not aware, and somehow you're gonna work it for your purposes in my life. Here's number two. What does it mean then when the snake bites? Because you'll get different responses. When something comes your way and, and it's bad, it's difficult. It's a trial. You will get people who may think that you're out of God's will. That may happen. People might think if you were in God's will, this wouldn't come your way. If you were doing what you were supposed to be doing, if you were following God and his will for your life, certainly God wouldn't allow this to take place or this to happen. He would have kept this storm out of your life if you were following his will. He would have kept that snake away from you if you were following his will. And, you know, that's kind of natural, maybe. But I have to remember there was a guy named Daniel sitting in a lion's den. And right in the middle of God's will. Well, if you weren't, you must be in some sin. Remember these guys, these barbarians? You must be in some sin for that to have happened to you. You must be bad. You must be wicked. There's something going on in your life or this wouldn't have come your way. Well, then you got to remember there was three Hebrews sitting in a fiery furnace. Did sin land them there? No. I know what it is. You're being punished. That's what these guys thought. These, these natives, they watch, oh, this murderer. Snakes only bite murderers. Somehow they know. He really being punished. He's being punished. He made it through the storm. Lucky him. But now God's got him. The snake. Was John the Baptist being punished when he put his head on a chopping block? Thousands and thousands of those who the name of Jesus was on their lips as they left this life being burned to stake and martyred. No, it's not for some sin. In fact, it's possible to be doing everything right and still get snake bit. Paul, serving God, obviously, doing right, standing firm, being a blessing to others. Yet here he finds himself trying to do, again, he's just helping. He's being a part of building a fire so people can get warm. It's been raining and they've been cold and they've been in the water. And so they're building fire. And here he is just gathering some sticks and a snake comes on his, latches onto his hand. Venomous, what they recognize is a venomous snake. He was just being, doing what he was supposed to do. And remember, 
there's a large percentage of snake bites that aren't accidental. Somebody was playing with snakes. My first snake bite was in was in school. A teacher had a dumb snake in the aquarium. One of those little, we always called them garter snakes. Garden snake or garter snake, I don't know. It was a dumb snake. We would get it out and play with it. And I would, had it by the tail. And it was just kind of squirming, squirming, squirming. And I thought that was funny. And my friend kind of whacked it like that. Well, he didn't like that. And it just flipped right around and grabbed my thumb. I had the Paul experience right there. It was hanging on my hand. Well, that didn't, that didn't quite, it wasn't enough. I had to have more snake bites. And so later I had a pet snake. I don't know what I was thinking. And it was a wild snake that I found out in the woods. And it, I measured it one day with a, my dad's tape measure. It was six feet long as a big fatty like that. And I, what do you do with a pet snake? What do you do with it anyway? You don't play fat. You don't do anything with a pet snake. <laughs> it just sits there. And so I had it in, this, in the garage in a box and, and it had, had a screen over it. And he would, he'd curl up in there. And I took the screen off one day. And he was not happy for some reason. I don't know. I hadn't really done much yet. And, um, <laughs> oh, man, they can, they come a long way with that they got and he come flying out of there and grabbed my finger and that was the last snake I ever touched that's been probably oh man close to 50 years and I haven't touched one since but remember all these people that go to the hospital with non-accidental snake bites they're playing with snakes is it possible sometimes we bring trials on ourselves and storms on ourselves and problems on ourselves only because we could say playing with snakes, my own sin, my own failure, things I shouldn't have been doing, places I shouldn't have been, things I shouldn't have been watching, people I shouldn't have been with, and I got bit. Don't, don't look up, don't start blaming God for your own snake bites when you're non-accidental. But I would say both times I got bit, I was certainly caught by surprise. And it could be something would come your way and it would catch you by surprise or there would be a, all of a sudden there'd be the phone call, all of a sudden you would hear this news, all of a sudden you would read this and I'm just telling you that unexpected is gonna happen but it's not necessarily because you were in sin or out of God's will or you're being punished. Remember the disciples in the boat and they're in the boat with Jesus and the storm is coming and Jesus is asleep and they're for sure that they're going to die. In fact, they even said, don't you care that we're going to die? And think of them out in the middle of the, of the Sea of Galilee in that boat and they know that the storm is going to kill them. They're going to sink any minute as the waves crash over. Do you remember that Jesus sent them out there? Jesus said, Get in the boat and go across. And halfway across, they got caught in a storm. 
Was it because of their sin, because of they were out of God's will, because they were being punished? None of the above. Jesus sent them into the storm. They were right where he wanted them to be to show them what he wanted to show them. Pretty good illustration of what happens. Now here's the third thing that we see in this story. There's the snake bite judges. The snake bite judges. When people were watching and the barbarians, these, these natives of this island saw what had happened, they immediately assumed, well, of course, he's, there's retribution, there's justice taking place on this man. He must have done something wrong. Certainly this wouldn't have happened to a normal person, an innocent person. And when you think about it, the way they judged Paul is the way, if we're not careful, we judge people in the middle of their crisis. Because our natural reaction when we hear about the news, what's taking place in someone's life, come on, you know what you think in the back of your mind. I wonder what they did. I knew this was going to happen. You're a prophet all of a sudden. I knew it. Remember, I said. I knew this was going to happen. Things don't happen without a good reason. You remember Job sitting there as he's lost everything, including his health, and he's scraping, literally scraping his sores with pot shirt, and his good friends come to cheer him up. And they look at him and said, man, you have messed up, Job. It must have been bad. I don't know what you did, but it must have been terrible for God to allow this to come your way. And then there's those who watch and see what our reaction is going to be. Notice they just sat down and watched. He's going to swell up here in a minute. You watch, he'll swell up, fall over dead. Everybody swells up when they get bit by a viper. This is going to be really neat. Watch. <laughs> it says they looked a great while. I'm wondering if God in this instance, because it would be just like God. To use an old snake to show his power and his grace. And isn't it possible that God in your life would do the same, would show through storms, through snake bites, through tragedies, through things that you wish you maybe hadn't gone through. Isn't it possible that God would do the same in your life to show to others who may be watching his power and his grace in your life? Lazarus was sick. Bible says, really sick. They told Jesus, he waited. He didn't run to Lazarus' side. In fact, he waited until it was too late. It was too late to save his life. Lazarus died. They came and they gave Jesus the news. Forget it, don't come, he's dead. He said, this sickness, listen to his words, this sickness is not unto death. But for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. God's going to get the glory in this trial, he said. Apostle Paul himself prayed three times, it says, that whatever this thorn in the flesh, we're really not sure, no one's really sure what that is, but whatever it is, he had this thorn in the flesh, something that was really hindering him or bothering him, some physical ailment. He prayed three times, God, would you not intervene? God, would you not intervene? God, would you not intervene in this situation? And finally, what were God's words? My grace 
is sufficient. When you have a trial, when you have a thorn. Have you ever thought about this? The testimony of God's grace in your life through a circumstance that's difficult will do more to help others than you could possibly imagine. And right in this room, I'm thinking of people, and maybe you are, who have gone through some of the darkest valleys that I can possibly imagine, and they experienced God's grace, and it was all over them, and we all watched it. And what a blessing it was. What a testimony it was. What a help it was to watch. And now, when I go through something, you know what I can think? I, I saw God grace in that person's life when they faced something similar. I know God can do the same for me. So what do you do when you get bit by a snake? Well, you do. I came across this meme today. That's a new word, isn't it? Meme. It went like this. Kids today are soft. I died once when I was five and my mom made me walk it off. I understood what they were saying. So Paul, <laughs> he reaches in, can you imagine, to grab a bundle of, of, of sticks, you know, to put on the fire. Wham! Deadly, venomous. I mean, the, the, the islanders, they know what a venomous snake looks like. Grabs on his hand. And according to the verse 5, he shook the beast into the fire. Can you picture, and I'm weird, I understand that. I just picture him, ooh, and it's wiggling and dancing on there. He goes over here to the fire and he, it falls off, just curls there and burns and flops around. And, huh. He goes back picking up more sticks and just ignoring while the, all the islanders are watching for him to swell up. He just goes on and building fires and, and doing what he's supposed to do. So what happens when a snake bites? Well, we, have you thought about this? Shake it off. Now, I, when I'm saying that, I don't mean that the pain isn't real. Because, boy, it is. And I don't mean that the heartache isn't grievous. Because it is. And it causes pain. And, and I'm not saying, I'm not diminishing that at all. I'm just saying this. Paul shook it off. You remember, men, when you were a kid playing Little League? Oh, I remember. You're afraid of the ball because it could whack you in the head or shin bone. Or... So when it comes at you, you're doing your best to avoid it, you know, your glove way out here. And... But inevitably, you're going to catch one. You're going to catch it in the head, the nose. It's going to hit you somewhere. And you're almost on the verge of crying. I mean, your lip is going. You're just holding back. And your coach, who is so kind and he's empathetic. He wants to be such a helping blessing. Now, I'm talking about when I was a kid. Nowadays, they'd rush you straight to the emergency room. But I'm more like the meme here. Coach, you know what his famous saying is, isn't it? Shake it off. And your lips still going. 
You're standing on third base. You're not even sure what third base means, but you're standing there. <laughs> Ball just whacked you on the shin. It hit you on the head. Shake it off. Shake it off. Okay. <laughs> and, and I don't want it to sound like, you know, that's a Joel Osteen thing to say or a life coach thing to say. I, I'm just saying the time comes that it is reasonable advice that dwelling on all my past pain and all the past hurt that I've gone through and even those things I didn't deserve or ask for, the abuse perhaps and, and the way I was wronged. If, there's just going to have to come a time in all of our lives where we're just going to have to say, I'm going to have to shake this off or I'm going to have a pity party. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to have a pity party all by myself and I'm going to stroke my pain and I'm going to let everyone else know how bad I've had it. I'm just telling you, shake it off. What did Paul tell us to do in Philippians? What did he tell us to think about when he said, think on these things? Did he say, think on your pain, your past, your past failures, your past hurt? What took place when you were a child? Did he tell you to think about the heartache and all the hard times you've possibly had? And they were real and they were painful. Remember, I'm not diminishing that. I'm just saying Paul said, listen, there comes a time where you're going to have to just think on other things. Maybe as he put it, forgetting those things which are behind. The pain of failure. Maybe a past that haunt you or some tragedy or some abuse or maybe life didn't give you a fair shake and all that could be true so now what now what Paul shook it off and you know what else what else kind of stands out here uh, he, he really remained calm after just being bitten by a venomous snake it, he really remained calm he didn't even acknowledged perhaps he was in danger. Just calmly went about his business while others watched. You ever thought about this? The difference between calm and panic in the middle of the storm is this. Knowing that Jesus is in my boat. That's the difference. Nothing can come my way of which he's not in control. I can be calm. I can have peace even in the face of the storm because I know all along he's, he's in my boat. Paul shook it off. He remained calm. Look what else happened. He went about his business. He kept doing the things he was doing. He kept, he did, kept right on. The snake didn't slow him down one bit. He didn't say, that's it. You get bit. I'm not playing anymore. Hey, coach, take me out. The ball just hit off my head. That's it. I'm done. Hey, somebody hurt me. They said something that hurt me, and I'm not going to get involved anymore. If that's the way I'm going to get treated, if that heartaches, I'm not going to serve God. I'm going to quit church because if God loved me, would he allow that to come my way? I'm just telling you, this is all the stuff we could possibly hear. And Paul wasn't everyone to let his circumstances slow him down anyway. Have you ever thought about this? You can judge the level of your commitment by what it takes to make you quit. Paul said, eh, shook it off calmly. 
went about his business. And notice that the right reaction that Paul had led to all kinds of open doors. He's a God. <laughs> now, I don't know if Paul understood their language or he would have tried to correct them. But notice what happens. All of a sudden, the chief man of the island, his father gets healed. Many others come. They get healed. The people are treating them uh, great. They're having all kinds of honors, it says in verse number 10, put on. Every, when it's time for them to go, everything that they possibly could need for their journey, they were given. God opened all these doors because of a snake. Snake bite. Paul shook it off. He had the right reaction. And can't you imagine? Can you imagine you're facing an open door that was once closed simply because God brought something your way and you reacted properly to it? Then this last thing, and really this might be the most important point of this whole sermon. Think of this. The snake can be deadlier than the storm. Have you ever heard of someone who survived something traumatic? Maybe they were on the front lines of battle and war. Maybe they were in a plane crash, a deadly disease, just something traumatic, something you read about in the papers came their way. They survived it somehow. Miraculously, they survived the crash. They survived this. They survived this fight. Somehow they survived something that no one would survive. It was miraculous. And then later they tripped, fell down the stairs and died. Walked across the street, bus hits them. Choked on a hot dog. And that, you, you read about such things. People had this... This huge survival. The storm came and they weathered the storm. And then the snake came. They, they didn't fall prey to the big thing. But then the little thing came. The unnoticed thing. The inconsequential thing. And Because it's like Satan to always be looking for a way to make us fall. It's like Satan to always be looking for a way to shake our faith and to get our eyes off Christ and to ruin our usefulness and, and to make us a shipwreck and to, and to cause us to fall. And if he can't do that with the storm, the big thing, well, he'll just send a snake. I was thinking of Peter, who when the storm came, he was right in the middle of the garden, garden of Gethsemane. The storm came, man, he showed himself. He pulled out a sword. He started trying to chop a person's head off. He said, this ain't going to happen on my watch. You better believe it. There he is. Can you see him? Picture him standing in front of Jesus. You're not going to take him. And he's not much of a swordsman, obviously, but he gave it a valiant effort. And he tries to cut a guy's head off. And his ear flops on the ground. The storm came. Man. And then just a little while later, a little girl points at him. Says, Weren't you with Jesus? The snake bit him. He fell. And all of us have been there because 
It's the big temptation we can be prepared for and it's the, because we can see it coming and we can, be, we can steal ourselves for the storm or the big temptation and we can be praising God for the victory. God got me through this and I, I passed the test and I, things are going great. And then the very next minute, if you're not prepared, the snake, because you can see the storms approaching, you can get prepared but snakes are hidden. Snakes catch us by surprise. I'm just telling you, snakes are as deadly as storms. And there might be a storm on your horizon. But you can get ready. A big temptation, a big event that could possibly rock your faith. And you place your faith in him and he can lead you through. But be careful. Snakes waiting in your computer. Snakes waiting in your mind, in your eyes, when you're not expecting it, when your guard's down. Last year, 2021, did you know there were 1,376 tornadoes in the United States? But there was over 7,000 people bitten by snakes. And of course, with tornadoes comes great loss, <coughs> damage. But snake bites far more common. The odds of surviving a snake bite are very, very high. Chances are you won't die. But have you ever seen somebody that got a venomous snake bite? Probably on their hands, most likely. Have you ever seen somebody? They survive. But it doesn't mean the damage isn't permanent. I don't know what the future holds for myself for sure, or you, but I'm going to guess this. Storms, maybe a snake, probably. And I'm encouraging you this way. Don't get caught off guard. Don't get caught unprepared, not looking, not prepared, not watching. As Peter puts it, you're... Your adversary, the devil, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about. And don't be confused if you're going through a storm. Don't be confused why this is happening, why this has come your way. Don't be confused. Remember the difference between panic and calm. Jesus is with you. Be sober, be vigilant. Say the storm, Brother Ted, I've been in the middle of a storm for a long time now. Keep trusting God. There's some purpose. And not only is there a purpose he has for your life, others are watching. They're watching God's grace and how real it is in your life. And they're being encouraged by it. Their faith is strengthened by watching your faith be strengthened. There may be a storm, but even deadlier. That snake that you're not watching for, that you don't know is there, that you're not really prepared to tackle that you didn't know was going to bite you at that moment. Storms and snakes. I don't know what's in your future, but I'm going to guess storms and snakes. Would you bow with me? Let's pray. Maybe God's spoken to you in some way through this. And maybe even right now you're, you're facing some difficulty. We would call a storm, trial, 
as our, God, our writers, Bible writers put it, trial, tribulations, afflictions. They all face them. It's nothing different. Even Jesus promised it. However, it's whatever's come your way. I pray that you would trust God through it. And be on the lookout for those things, those snakes, those times when our guard is down and all of a sudden the small thing comes. And something in our mind, in our eyes, something we're not really thinking about ready for. However God may have spoken to you, would you respond to him in our time of invitation? Heavenly Father, I'm thankful for your word. It speaks to our hearts. Storms, difficulties, trials, all of us face those. All of us face times when we're not ready even, the snakes come. I pray we'd have the right response, the right attitude about the trials that come and the right attitude when we see them in others. Thankful for your word, how it speaks to us. Would you, would you use it now? Would we respond? In Jesus' name, amen.